0: Welcome to the Practice Impossible Podcast, where your host, Jude Pierre M.D., also known as Coach JPMD, discusses medical practice topics that will
1: guide you through the maze that is the business of medicine and teach you how to increase profits and help populations live long. Your mission, should you choose to accept, is to
0: listen and be transformed. Now, here's your host, Coach JPMD. Thank you for listening to the Practice Impossible Podcast. I'm looking for 10 ambitious physicians to show how they can dramatically increase their income in 90 days or less, even if they just started their careers. Plus, everything I've learned running my practice for 20 plus years to completely eliminate debt in three years or less. That's with no additional administrative work or stressful practice chores like completing chart notes and more time to enjoy with your family and friends. So before you continue this, press pause. And if you're interested, so email me at info at coachjpmd.com, and I'll send you more information. That's info at coachjpmd.com, looking for 10 ambitious physicians to dramatically increase their income in 90 days or less, and show them how they can eliminate their debt in three years or less. Okay, so thanks for doing that. So let's get into our next episode with Dr. George Joseph. So I was told by someone that that's going to remain nameless for now, that uh, my podcast needs to include some jokes or be fun and and not be so sterile. And So I'm going to start off with with a joke. So this one comes from a patient, and I never remember these jokes, but I had to actually write this one down. Where do you go in your house if you want to live long? The living room. (laughs) All right, one more. I know that was probably pretty cheesy, but what did the drum say to the drumstick? My heart beats for you. I thought that was pretty cool. But anyway let me get into the episode. So we're in uh, episode 11 with uh, Dr. George Joseph, and Dr. George Joseph is a cardiologist who uh, actually comes from from Haiti. So Dr. George Joseph is a uh, trained cardiologist, interventional cardiologist, who I guess started his career in in Florida, where he attended Edison College in Fort Myers, and then completed his medical technology degree at the University of South Florida, and then uh, his internship towards his medical technology degree at Bayfront Medical Center in St. Pete. He then went to Ross University School of Medicine in Dominica, West Indies, and uh, then completed an internal medicine residency training at uh, my alma mater, uh, University of Miami School of Medicine, at the John F. Kennedy Medical Center, and then completed his uh, cardiology fellowship at Louisiana State University. After that, he went to uh, Albany College of Medicine or Albany Medical College, and completed his interventional fellowship in cardiology and structural cardiology, as well as transcatheter aortic valve replacement. And he's got a pretty impressive resume here uh, as I, as I look through it and graduating with high honors. And, you know, it's uh, an honor to uh, bring Dr. George Joseph uh, onto the podcast to talk about his experience coming into Hernando County where, where I practice and I've been practicing for 20 years. And uh, he describes how he's able to, he's able to do certain things that he uh, wouldn't have uh, possibly been able to do in uh, if he had stayed in a big city. So we welcome Dr. Joseph to uh, our podcast, and, and uh want to have a down-to-earth conversation with him about um, his experience and how he feels we can practice medicine impossibly. Welcome to the Practice Impossible podcast, where we're today joined by Dr. George Joseph, MD, interventional cardiologist, who is in Brooksville. And uh, Dr. Joseph, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself, or tell us about yourself?
1: All uh, right, so... Again, my name is Dr. George Joseph, actually George Joseph Jr. Uh, I'm a junior because my dad is George Joseph. He's a senior. Just a small background. I'll be brief because it's 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 long, so we don't have a lot of time. Originally from Haiti, grew up in a country like Haiti, has its own hurdles and its own challenges. Now, fast forward, unfortunately, at the age of 13, 14, my mom passed from cancer she had uh, cervical cancer that metastasized to the lung and she fought it for a little while from haiti actually she came here in the u.s in miami she actually passed away in miami uh, after many 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 uh, trials and try chemos a lot of stuff uh, finally she passed was hard you know 13 14 years old that's kind of hard but at that time i guess in haiti we went back to haiti we, we studied partly i was a kid a hated teenager at that time and my dad looked at the country back then and said he had for some reason he had that kind of vision that it feels like the country was not gonna you know offer you know our family what we our potential what we could you know become so that's why we actually came to the u.s at a very young age so sole purpose was to uh, for education, huh? because my dad was a physician in Haiti, we were well off in Haiti, that, that was not a problem. But uh, for education purposes, he felt that you know that the country would not offer us you know what, what we could, what we're capable of. And what, what, so that's why we came here. And what year was that, when was that? Uh, that was 1999, my mom passed away in 1999. 1999, okay. yes, yes, yes. So that's why uh, me, my sisters, and my brother, we uh, finally immigrated to the U.S. Okay. Uh, before that, we used to come to the U.S. on vacation. Va- U.S. was our vacation spot, by the yeah. way. So <laughs> when we were a kid, that's what we used to do. But finally, we, we finally came here for good. And then we start we study. So from my end... I think at that very young age, very motivated, very motivated, you know, school and uh, grades. Uh, went Actually, I started college at 16, very early, very early in life. Wow. And then from college, fast forward, decided, actually since, at this since high school, that's when I decided to become a physician. Because growing in Haiti, you have to remember my dad did a lot of great work in Haiti. And uh, as a youngster, you're seeing your dad doing all this kind of work, you know, saving lives, you know, it actually helped shape what I wanted to do in the future. So that's why I decided to become a physician. I didn't know what kind of doctor I wanted to become, but I decided to become a physician. And then fast forward, hard, hard work, study a lot. And then uh, finally decided to go to medical school. I did medical technology before, which is a lab tech. And then decided, hey, you know what? I don't think that's enough. Fast forward to go to med school. Excel, do well. And then residency from residency to fellowship from fellowship to interventional fellowship. So I'm fast forwarding everything here, sure, sure, and uh, and to where I am today. So now let's talk about at least the past few years because that's where the biggest challenges were. Because going to school is one challenge, starting a practice after school is the biggest challenge. So that's that's where I think we should at least spend a little bit of time because it was a tough decision because after interventional fellowship it's about just for somebody to have an idea to become an interventional cardiologist if you really count all the years it's about 15 years total okay it's about 15 years to really do this between you know if you start your college or medical school you spend i spent about uh, after medical school i spent about another 3 years of residency 3 years of fellowship and 1 year interventional so i spent 7 years after med school to become an interventional cardiologist yeah that's that's a lot so of years so it's it's a it's a long it's a, it's a long it's a long road but now finishing in uh, 2018 and trying to figure out exactly what i want to do so that's the biggest hurdle so I,
0: so, so you you sorry yes. you had an in, you had an opportunity to go from big city to small city yes yes and I think that's when I kind of met you. Yes. Around that time and you were trying to make a decision to come to Spring Hill versus Correct.
1: Correct. So I came from my 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 fellowship in interventional cardiology and structural heart which is that's where we do a little bit more advanced than just interventional cardiology. It was at Albany Med. Albany Medical Center. Big center, big city, you know, the you know, you know we, we 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 did a lot up there. So my program director actually Offered me a position to the point that he offered me his practice. That's how big that was. That's how big that decision was. He was like, "Hey George, uh, I want you to come in here. I'm gonna give you all my patients You don't have to pay a dollar. You just walked in tomorrow. All my patient goes to you. Okay? He's, he wants he wants to focus more in the structure and stuff like this. He was like, "I want to give you all my patient. That's how much I want you to be in our practice in upstate New York. So I look at that opportunity." And I'm the kind of guy who was a little driven. I said, you know, it's a great opportunity, you know, you're given something on a silver platter, but I want to create my own own practice. I want to start from scratch. I want to do this. This is something that I've wanted to do for a long time, and that's what I wanted to start. So between that decision, it was a tough decision to, to turn away a big practice that they hand you out of fellowship. With no money, you have to you have to pay a dollar. You just walk in in practice in upstate New York. <laughs> that was so you know you, that was big.
0: So so you know that our audience is going to say, why did you do that? What was I mean? What was so enticing about where you are
1: now? So now I looked at that opportunity upstate New York, and I wanted to find a place where I wanted to start from scratch to build my own practice. That was the big difference. So should I? Mm-hmm. Take something that's already been built and then I, you know, I didn't really work hard for or should I just come in and build my own practice, my own way and really feel it's a different feeling. Let's put it this way. Okay. It's a different feeling. So that's why I, did, and also Florida, I wanted to come back to Florida. That's the second part of the decision because my family's in Florida, everybody's in Florida. I wanted to come back to Florida uh, versus staying upstate New York. Uh, kind of away from family. So th- those mm-hmm. play a role between family and wanted to do and build a practice from scratch was the two were the stuff that makes me decide whether I want to stay in upstate New York versus uh, coming down, down here in Florida. So that's yeah, when so, we, so we met. Yes. That's yes. when we met.
0: And so, you know, some of those decisions obviously have to be made with the lens of your business knowledge. Yes. So where did you, or how did you learn the business knowledge? Or where did you get that information from that helped you be where you are today?
1: So everybody asked me that question. And as a matter of fact, I didn't spend a minute in business school, by the way. <laughs> so <laughs> it's something came natural. Okay. So the business part of the medicine, I actually learn as I go. I did learn as I go. And I'm a quick learner. That's the second thing. Okay. Okay. Very very quick learner. A lot of stuff. There's a little mistake I made at the beginning from the business part of the medicine, not from the you know medicine, part, but from the business part. You know that I didn't know, and then you 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 figure it out when you start having hurdles with insurance company. Then you're like, oh, that's how it works now. Okay, so you figure it out. So I learn as I go, and I learn very quickly. So that's why I uh, from from the get go when I started when I met you here that you actually helped me make a de- big decision because you remember I was between. Brooksville and Miami, or for Lauderdale area. Yep. So I got two positions offered around those two places. And finally, after I met you, I was like, this area might be a better, it suits me better. It suits what I want to do, my vision and everything as my specialty, my skill set. This area would benefit from my skill set way better than Miami or uh, Fort Lauderdale. So that's another. Yeah, that's that's a big
0: decision because, you know, I know that there are some procedures that were not being done, I, I believe. Prior to you yes. coming to Spring Hill, and I, you gave me a story about you know uh, one of the first procedures you did in Hernando County. Yes. I can't remember. It was, it was kind of way over my head because you know I'm <laughs> 20 years out of residency, <laughs> so some of the things you were saying, I'm like, what? What's
1: that? What you do that? <laughs> yes, yes. So you know that's and that's that's one of the reasons. Even after I've been here for about a year or so, and I. I felt like I absolutely made the right decision because there's uh, that procedure I told you about. It's called a patent for Mano Valley closure. So before I came here in, this, in Sprangio, even in Hernando County, nobody ever heard what I did. People had strokes. People go home with strokes. People go home, have recurrent multiple strokes. And I started that program right here over at uh, in the County. Mm-hmm. So I was the first one who actually close uh, what we call a pen, which is a small hole inside of a heart chamber that can cause stroke. And I was featured, you know, I went to the radio station. We talk about that, how it happens and why people should know about this. And before that, nobody knew about this kind of stuff. So those set of skill set, it was very important. That's how I felt like this was the right place for me. And then since then, I've been helping a lot, a lot, a lot of folks with this kind of issues.
0: Sure. And so, how do you get support from the hospital system? Let's say you're bringing in new procedures and, you know, I know some of the hospitals have been transferring a lot of these patients. Um, and for from our standpoint, we do a lot of managed care. Yes. And we like to be involved in that. So, there's going to be two questions around that. Yes. So, how do hospitals support you?
1: Number one? So, number one, the hospital, especially all the hospital in town are very supportive. And the sense that they give me the tools, as soon as I ask for it, for example, the pain format of valve closure, it's a special device that they have to bring in. They have to make an investment to purchase those things for me to be able to use them. And so far, you know, the hospitals in town here, especially Okiel, has not have any issues in providing those kind of tools for us to use here, especially for me to use. To actually help this patient so that's the biggest way the hospital support because if the hospital is not investing and in not actually bringing these things in you know it doesn't matter my skill set it's not going to happen so which yeah. means the hospital is is a big they play a big big role and actually you know to facilitate all these things to happen so this is one of many stuff that i've done that the hospital actually help with. The second one is mechanical support for patients having heart failure, some, somebody will come in with a heart attack. You know, the hospital also have to purchase those devices and have them become available for me to use them. So those, those are the biggest way the hospital supports, you know, the practice.
0: And what are your challenges with the nursing staff? Because uh, I'm sure nursing staff may be unaware of these, some of these procedures. and Correct. Are there training programs that, or training seminars that you give to nurses do, as well?
1: I do. So actually, when, every time we start those programs, we actually have a sets of nursing staff who are interested and actually learn. So we send them places to learn and also, with the collaboration of what I know, actually teach them how to manage the nursing side of these complex procedures. Because once I'm done with the procedure, the nursing have to, on the bedside, have to know how to come no, for the consideration and the proper care for that patient who's very sick, the nursing staff has been very receptive. Uh, some yeah. hospital better than others, but the nursing staff have been very receptive so far. And that's why the program is still alive.
0: Yeah, that's great. And and so, you know, we are appreciative as a primary care physician. Uh, you know, sometimes we, we have patients that go to tertiary care centers for some of these procedures and the cost can be astronomical. Correct. And we as primary care doctors can't manage patients when they're in a hospital fifty miles away. I remember having a patient whose wife had a brain bleed or it fell and she had dementia. She had other medical problems and they airlifted her to to a local hospital fifty miles away in Tampa and ended up unfortunately passing away after a couple of weeks. But I could see the husband who was heartbroken because he wasn't able to see his his wife because he went fifty miles away and he couldn't drive that distance. And so I know that, you know, dealing with these procedures and doing the procedures locally definitely will help family members stay local, oh, yes. but also save costs yes. as well. Yes, yes. Yeah. because uh, you know i'm not sure how much you knew about medicare advantage prior to coming here but i you know it's a huge cost advantage for correct. us correct correct and so what do you what do you know now that you didn't know about medicare advantage
1: so again when i when i first met you again i another guy that i have to mention his name is rob foreman yeah so rob foreman is a is the guy who actually brought me in town <laughs> so and then, you know we met and he taught me a little, he taught me, I think the time at the time I came to interview, he spent about a few minutes just giving me an idea what managed care was. And I had no idea. In fellowship, you have to mm. understand. Fellowship, they don't teach us anything about the real business part of medicine. They teach you medicine. And then the business part, you have to figure it out when you get out. So I started yeah. learning at that time. But as of now, as you can imagine, I've learned more about managed care. I've learned about, you know, the cost saving, the efficiency of the care. And, you know, I've never met, I've heard about Dr. Singh, but I've never met him. I would like to meet him at one point in life, but I've never met him. But I'm sure that I've done a lot, like especially all the hospital in town. A lot of them, I take a lot of managed care. I take care of a lot of managed care. And a lot of my physician for either the hospitalists or the primary care side, So far, I've worked with them a lot because, you know, those stuff that I provide, and actually, for example, I had, actually, I think it was three months, three to four months when I started working here. I have one of the hospitalists from Managed Care who actually approached me. There was a patient they were about to send to Tampa because for some reason, they turned them down here over at the local hospital in in the area. The physician Mm -hmm. think like he was too high risk to perform a certain procedure, and he approached me and said, Doctor Joseph, can you think you can do you think you can help this patient? I was like, Well, let me look at the case. So I actually look at the patient. I said, Yeah, I think this is something we can do here. And then uh, they put me on consult. I came in and took care of the patient. A day or two later, the patient went home after I did a high-risk procedure on the patient. And the patient didn't have to get transferred to Tempa General to get those high-risk procedures. So since then, I think that's the first time, you know, he was one of the hospitalists for managed care patient here. And that's the first time he was like, okay, Dr. Joseph. So then from now on, we'll probably, you know, we'll be talking. So, and since then, I've been taking care, like, with I'm talking about a lot of the managed care patients in the hospital and the community. You know, anything that they think we should do in town, I said, let's do it here. Let's take care of the patient, their family here, their primary care is here. You guys are here. We know the patient. Let's take care of them in town rather than sending them away. So, we've been doing a lot of that lately. So, that's why I've I've had a lot of managed care patients in my practice or, or in the hospital. I take care of them.
0: So, so, so you, you've described a lot of the things that you've done and learned in residency and, and some new grads may not have the gumption or the, the will or the drive to learn the business of medicine. So what would you tell a new grad coming out? So you've got a new interventional cardiologist graduating and they they're not sure where to go they're not sure where, you know what hospitals to go what would you tell them what so would you tell that new grad
1: then a new grad I've, I've since then i've actually met a couple new grads that we're trying to you know recruit in the area also so the new grad the first thing is the first thing they have to figure out is what is their goal long-term goal okay as a new grad because some new grad that i've met They want to come in, they do their shift work, they do their couple of, you know, calls and then they want to go home and, you know, that's what they want to do. If this is what you want to do, that's fine. Okay. You find a practice that matches that. But I can tell you that when I started on my own by myself, you know, to start the practice, I worked the first 90 days without stopping. Okay. That's that's what I want to do. And that's what, you know, that was my goal. So if somebody cannot handle that, then you can think of what else, you know, just join a group and do your regular calls and stuff like this. My phone was on 24-7 for the first 90 days until I had one day, I had somebody, hey, can you please help me? So one of the other guys in the community asked them, hey, can you help me at least take some night calls for me if there's something else you can still call me? But since then, that's the way I've been practicing and that's the way I actually grow The practice is because I'm available. You have to be available. If your patient needs you, you're a heart doctor. Your patient needs you, they can't find you. That's not a good thing. So, again, new grad have to figure out what you want to do, what your long-term goal is. If you want to start your own practice, perfect. It's not going to be easy, okay? It's going to be tough. And at the same time, the cost is not only the fact that you on call, but the family also, because I, you know, my family, I told them, hey, we're going to build this practice the first year, couple years, three years, you know, it's going to be tough. And after that, we can try to get other, you know, interventional cardiologists on board to get, you know, expand the practice to other stuff like that. But as you're starting the business, part of it on your own is going to be tough. So, that's the thing about the, the new grad is figure it out which way you want to go. If you want to take the road like I did, it's going to be a tough one versus if you want to join just regular practices and then be on call with five, 10 other physicians and then get your regular schedule, that's, that's something you really have to figure out on your own in, in terms of how you want to go.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, so, you've done it. You're, the, you're hardworking. You're, you're pushing forward. But looking back now… You know, I kind of, I'm, I'm focused on kind of figuring out what's the one thing we can do such that by doing, it makes everything else easier, necessary or unnecessary. What would you say would be the one thing that you could have done differently? Even though you're forging forward, you're building a practice, what would be that one thing you'd say, ah, oh, maybe I could have done this differently?
1: So I looked at the past three years, there's probably a few things. Uh, there's not one thing. There's a lot of stuff uh, we could have, uh, you know, I've could have done different in terms of the practice itself now i joined one of my partners uh, here uh, over at the the area so something you always wonder because even if i started you know on your own but you also partner with somebody else to do it one thing you think about you know could i have done it all by myself without, you know, joining anybody to partner with, at least to help grow a practice. That's one thing you always wonder. And, but when I think back, I'm like, you know, if I did take that route, I don't know if it would have been as beneficial because you need somebody, you know, somehow, some way to help you, even though you feel like you want to do it on your own, but you need that guidance. So I feel like that, you know, that's one thing I always wonder about, but now three years almost three years into it, I felt like this was the right decision It's at least to have at least like have a mentor somebody with me you know in my practice, even though I'm building my side of the practice, but he was my mentor to help guide to help at least help avoid some of the mistakes so i, I yeah. think that's that's important
0: so where can we find you uh, if uh, someone wants to uh
1: so Uh, Our office is right here in uh, Brooksville, near Oak Hill Hospital. So we're about about a couple blocks right here on Cortez. So uh, easy to find me is you can either Google me. That's another thing. As a matter of fact, a lot of my patients who met me, they met me on Google before they met me. So a lot of them go online, they say, Oh, Dr. Joseph, we saw your reviews. I'm like, Well, maybe I should look at my reviews. I haven't even looked at my reviews. Okay. (laughs) But I've been focusing on, you know, taking care of my patient. And then uh, providing a phenomenal and exceptional care in the, in the community. And, but a lot of my patients, that's how they met me. So, you know, just my name, Dr. George Joseph and Brooke Zill, and, 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 and uh, you should, you know, my name and the address of the practice should show up. It's, I think it's 10065 uh, Cortez Boulevard. That's, that's where we were locating.
0: Sure, and I'll link to your your uh, your profile also on the show show notes uh, after yes. the podcast.
1: Yeah, yeah, but- the practice. So those are the places. That that's that's where you find me, and uh, our practice and my patient right now. You know the the practice is growing. They should you know any patient who wants you know to see me, they should be able to see me. Uh, you know we have a short waiting. I try, that's why I work so hard. I try not to make my patient who wants to come into the practice, wait for more than at least three to four weeks maximum. We're trying to get them in as soon as possible. You know, depend. no matter how busy I get, I trying to get those new patient, you know, in as soon as possible, especially if they have heart issues and stuff like this. We, we try not to make them wait for too long. So that's very important that's to us. Yes.
0: That's yes. great. Well, I, I really appreciate this discussion, uh, Dr. Joseph, and uh, we wish you well. Thank, and, thank, and, uh, thank you. Attitude, and with uh, that attitude, and I know that you're going to be successful. Thank and you. uh, And you'll probably be expanding soon, so if yes. any uh, interventional cardiologist wants to join
1: you. <laughs> they should yes, look we're, we're looking. We're actually looking. We're actually looking you know, for interventional cardiologists to come and, and join the practice and expand. We're actually looking right now. So, Wonderful. That's, 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 Wonderful. that's a good thing.
0: Great conversation. Thank you so much. And uh, I'm sure we'll be talking soon. Thank you, Dr. Pierre. What a great conversation with Dr. Joseph. Uh, We so appreciate him coming on our Practice Impossible podcast. And you know, it's great to hear from young physicians coming out, doing amazing things in in the county and uh, innovative things as well. And I think it's great to hear how he's learned from some of the things that he's gone through in uh, his career. And we totally wish him the best And uh, if you want to see how he practices or what he does, and if you want to uh, reach out to him, uh, I'll leave the website in the the show notes. But uh, don't forget to share this podcast with your friends and uh, your colleagues, because that's uh, how we get the word out and how we help physicians practice impossible.